All right, well, if you're not ready after that, and if I can't preach after that, I need to find something else to do. You can tell how much I've grown as a leader because five years ago, I would have never given that portion of the service away to Pastor Weston or anybody else. Didn't our work incredible job this morning? I just want to make sure that you realize how I realize how spoiled we are to have such an incredible team. And Pastor Leticia, it's great to have you with us this morning. If I didn't believe that God was moving, I do now. Come on, somebody. It's a good thing. Hey, we are starting a brand new series today called Lead me and I need some help with this overhead. It's giving me anxiety. It's 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 echoing more than I wanted to do, and it's and and most of y'all didn't even hear it, but and now you do. But I can't preach with it happening like that. So they're 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 working on it. There we go. They're working on it, and I, I thank God for a great team. Lead me. We're going to talk over the next few weeks. This will actually carry us uh, through the month of July. Uh, we're going to talk today about leading yourself. Next week, we're gonna talk about leading your home, leading your friends, and then finally leading your community. Um, I believe that there is a leader inside every single individual in this room. And uh, you, you, cannot, you cannot lean on other people to lead you. Um, your entire existence. And, and, and the most important pastor in your life is you. You are called and able and equipped to, to pastor yourself. And I, we're going to do our best to help you in this series. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 61. Uh, That's where we're going to hang our hat in this series. It's our series scripture, if you will. Um, and, and as you're turning there, let me just quickly sidetrack. Uh, yes, uh, I read and heard. Um, the, what our governor said yesterday, I don't need anybody else to send me a Facebook message <laughs> or, or, or tag me in anything. I'm solid. Okay. I am, I'm not dead or deaf. I know what's going on in our society. And, uh, and, and I, did you know that you can disagree with something without being dishonorable to someone? That's, that's important. Like, I don't, I don't have to agree with you in order to honor you. My, my, I'm 36 years old. My mama and, and my daddy and I don't always agree. You know? But the Bible doesn't say that I arrive at a certain age and now I'm able to dishonor my mother or dishonor my father. He just says that I'm supposed to honor. And he says that same thing in, in, in application to authority and to authority figures. And so I want to encourage you, um, especially when you disagree. And, and supposed to be sanctified in the midst. So in regards to this whole mask thing, we're going to do what we have to do. Um, we're going to do what we need to do. I have one right there. Uh, I'm not putting it on today because I don't have to. And, uh, but, but I may. I may later. Uh, I'm not going to write any tickets to anybody. Um, and and uh, I don't think anybody's going to write a ticket in, in the sanctuary um, to what is expected of us. And listen, um, I, I just I, I respect the fact that, that most of you are adults in America. And uh, if, you wanna, if you wear a mask, uh, if you take a vaccination, you know, whatever, I, I respect you and I respect that. Um, and, and if you don't, then, then I can respect that as well. And uh, I can't guarantee you what, what law enforcement will or will not do over the next few weeks, but I can promise you um, that this house will honor all. This house will honor all. Um, especially, not just even, but especially those that we disagree with. Okay, that's enough of that. Psalm, Psalm 61. Actually, and I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this verse and, and mess you up just a little bit, Regina. I want to read this to you, and then I'm going to tell you a story. Psalm 61, verse 2. The Bible says, "From the ends of the earth, I call out to you, whenever my heart is faint." Okay, the, the psalmist is calling out to God, calling out to the Lord in this passage. Well, what an applicable scripture this is for right now. I don't know how your heart feels, but mine's a little faint right now. It's actually sometimes a little frustrated. And the Bible says that, that what I'm supposed to do when I feel that way, because my heart is a, a description of my emotions and my desires and, and my feelings, okay? When my heart is faint, I call out to God. I don't call other people out. <laughs> 
All right. But I call out, I call out to the Lord, and watch this, lead me. Lead me. We were going there in this last series, and now we've landed here. Lead me to the rock. You know, rocks don't change a whole lot. It takes a whole lot over a long period of time for a rock to be. And we understand that the rock from which the water came out, that, that, that actually followed the Israelites through the wilderness, Paul says in Corinthians that that rock was Christ. So we know that we are calling out to Jesus to lead me. I, I can't, I don't, what they do is what they do. But lead me to the rock that is higher than I. All right, I'm going to tell this story. Um, in 2007, I graduated college with a political science degree, which does me absolutely no good with that's because I didn't listen to God. It's another story for another day. I graduated in 2007. I graduated college in five years. I know the average is four, but I like to live above average. Come on, somebody. So <laughs> it took me, took me five years. And I got scholarship for all five years, by the way. I, uh, that was, yeah. It, several people were like, I did it in six. Better than you, preacher. All right, so <laughs> so funny <laughs> and true. And so I, 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 I hesitate to really tell this a lot because, it, I don't know, because we have like major leaguers that go to our church and Division One, Division Two athletes that were way better than me. Um, I was right time, right place, right scout. All these things lined up and God aligned the stars and gave me an opportunity. I signed a contract with the Houston Astros and off I went. I mean, like two weeks after my college season ended, I was a fifth year senior, so I signed as a free agent before the draft so that I and I just took off and I went and uh, it took me a little while to adjust I played NAI baseball um, not in CAA I was at LSU Shreveport and uh, my first at bat in extended spring training was at uh, the wild world of sports which is so hard to say in Walt Disney World and I we went over there we drove over from Kissimmee to Orlando and I got I played the last three innings of that game, and I got in the box, and I dug in. I was like, I've been living my whole life. I've been training my whole life. I got in the box, and a closer for the Atlanta Braves stepped up on the mound. And I thought, whoa, come on. Let's do this. Because I, I was always better than I actually was in my head. Come on. <laughs> so I was like, I'm ready. He threw the first pitch. It was about 98 at my chest. And I went like this. Mm. <laughs> the catcher caught, I don't even know how the catcher caught that. I was like, dude, that was impressive, bro. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even flinch. He threw it by me. I about snapped my bat in half trying to hit the next pitch. He got way in on me. And I just didn't, by the end of the season, um, I, I got a little bit better and all these different things. I'll, I'll spare you the details. I got a little bit better. Had a pretty good year. You can Google it. I don't need to brag about it. It's, it, was, it was good before it ended. Um, I went home and I trained like the whole year. That's all I did. I valet parked cars a couple of nights a week. I can make a couple hundred dollars cash, and uh, it's too late for the IRS to audit me now. That was 10 years ago. That was a long time ago. So it was almost 12 years ago now. Um, and, and all I did, all I had to pay was utilities. I lived in the corner of my buddy's apartment. He was proud of me, so he let me live in, in his apartment in the corner. I, I slept on a cot in a corner. And uh, when I was playing ball, you just, so most of our games were at night, and so then we would finish playing. By the time I got home, it was like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning um, because we were playing and clean up and then go home. And, and so I, I would sleep until 10, 12, 1, 30, uh, like every day. That was all I did. So when I came home, I did the same thing. Kelsey came over to our apartment one day, and she had like pursuing her occupational therapist degree that day. Kelsey is my sister for the guests this morning. And also our youth pastor's wife. So it's important for me to know, for you to know that she's my sister. And she came over and she was like, what are you doing? Because I was still just like in my shorts cooking breakfast at noon. And, uh, and she's like, what are, you, what are you doing? I was like, I'm about to go work out. She was like, that's it? That's like, that's, that's what you do. And I was like, what you want me to do? I'm a professional athlete. Be jealous. <laughs> what else? What else am I going to do? So I would train and hit and blah blah blah. I did all these things. I went back to spring training in 2008. And hear me, like I can't. You can't Google this. You can't find it. I don't even know what. I, but I'm telling you, I played the best baseball of my entire life. Like never in a period of a month had I played that well. 
I was on base more than I got out. I had my manager. I was in high single A on that squad. I thought for sure I'd either be on that team or the low A team. I was playing so well. Like I had this hypothetical dream, man, I may end up in double A. I'm playing so, so I just didn't know. So end of spring training, man, I'm excited. I'm calling my family. I'm like, guys, I'm telling you, my manager's asking me where I learned how to play the game this way. Blah, 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 blah. I looked at the schedule. My name's not on the high A team. I was like, that's okay, because there's one under that. And I was like, Man's not on there either. And I got left in what we call baseball, which I, I don't believe in, but I can't explain that today. But, just, uh, um, but I, I, I got stuck there, and, and my name wasn't on any of those rosters, and so I stayed in this thing called extended spring training. I almost quit. I was furious, and I called my uncle, and he, uh, he had been drafted by the Montreal Expos, which shows how old he is, because that's not even a thing anymore. So <laughs> he had been drafted by the Montreal Expos in the third round out of high school, and I called him, and I was like, dude, I'm done, man. If I didn't make it after that, they don't want me to make it. They're not, they're not looking for me to make it. And he said, Chris, if you quit, you'll never know. Hey, I'm, I want to tell somebody today, if you quit, you'll never know. If the Bible says clearly, Galatians 6, 9, like, just, just keep going, and you'll, in due time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. If you quit, you'll never know. So I stayed uh, I stayed for another month and a half, and, and, uh, and then I was, one afternoon, I just finished my six innings, and uh, I think I had a hit, which is a big deal at that level. Like, if you have one hit out of two or three, you can be in the Hall of Fame. It's crazy. You could fail 70 or uh, 67% of the time and still make it into the Hall of Fame. And so I had a hit, so I felt good about the day, but I was sitting on a bench, and I said, God, um, thank you. Thank you. I've had a blast. Like, I think I may have been doing this longer than you even wanted me to, uh, but I've had, a, I've had a blast, and I really appreciate it. But if Major League Baseball is not how I'm going to provide for my family, because I was engaged to Megan at the time, I said, Lord, I've had enough of this dream. I'm ready to go home and get started on whatever it is that you have for me. I don't have time to preach this. I preached it yesterday to Northside Christian graduation uh, students. I said, and I, and I heard it spoken closely to this, um, but I, I think our church needs to know that God is not committed to your dreams because your dreams may not be coming from God. There's no telling where they're coming from. They may be coming from something you're watching or listening to or somebody else you're following. It may not even be him that's given you those dreams. Um, but, but he is, he is committed to his destiny for your life. And so I want to encourage you today, don't make decisions based on your dreams. Make decisions based on his destiny. A lot of people make decisions based on their feelings, but saints of God make decisions based on his preferred future. It's just, it's his purpose that's matter. That's where his promises are tied to, by the way. His promises aren't tied to what you want. They're tied to his will. But when you get in his will, his promises will follow. Come on. That's, that's just, that, that's not even in there. I just that, wanted to share that with you. So I prayed that prayer. I was there for one more day and the clubhouse manager came in and said, Chris, Skipper wants to see you which means you're gone. <laughs> so, so I hung my jersey up. I was getting ready to go out into the field, and I, I was like, well, that's so much for that. I hung my jersey up, and uh, I went to the office, and I sat down, and he said all the prelims, and, and I said, hey, hey, look, we're good, man. I'm good. I've had a blast. Um, I, this, this, isn't, this isn't your decision. This has been decided for me already. I'm good. I'm good. You don't have to explain anything else. He kind of looked at me. I said, thank you. Thanks for investing in me, man. It was a pleasure to be here and meet you. Blah, blah, blah. I got out. I got my stuff. Y'all, I was excited. I was like, I packed my bags. I threw them in the truck. I planned on driving from Kissimmee, Florida to Minden, Louisiana that day. Like I was rolling. I was ready. I hadn't seen my fiance in several months. I forgot I had a family. I just want to see my fiance <laughs> that I hadn't seen in seven months. I was ready to roll. I got in my truck. I was calling. I got released. Like, you okay? I'm more than okay. I'm coming home, Jack. And so I was, <laughs> I was driving up the interstate from for Kissimmee to Orlando, and then you're supposed to hit I-10 and, and go from Florida to Alabama to Mississippi and into Louisiana. And I'm talking, and I'm, I'm driving, and I'm telling Megan, I'm coming home today. I'm a blah, 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 blah. And I look up, and I see a sign that says, Welcome to Georgia. <laughs> and I was like, Welcome to, oh, man. I missed my turn. I, I missed the interstate. <laughs> 
Yo, I drove an hour in the wrong, I'm talking 60 miles in the wrong direction. I was so focused on getting home that I missed my turn. Have you ever been so focused on getting home that you missed your turn? You ever been so focused on just getting to heaven that you missed all the opportunities that you had here on earth? That's what happened to me. And so I, I pulled over and I got this thing called a map for everybody under 30. That's a, it's a piece of paper with lines and roads on it. I had a Blackberry. It didn't have GPS. It had some buttons. You couldn't see it anyways. You're staring at it. How many of you had a Blackberry? Just wave at me. I left that. Hey, those things are durable, man. I left that on top of a car, got on the interstate, came back around and found it. It was impressive. So I had a Blackberry. I, I drew my lines, and I worked my way back down. I stayed in a Roach Motel in Tallahassee, Florida for $27.99. I didn't even take my stuff out of my truck because I didn't want to bring something home from that hotel I didn't intend to. So motel, the doors were on the outside, and they were screen doors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I left my stuff, I didn't even change clothes, I didn't clean off, like, I figured I was probably clean enough from that shower, so I just pulled all the covers off the bed, I laid down in my clothes and went to sleep, I woke up early the next day, jumped in a vehicle, stopped one time, one time, to use the restroom between Tallahassee, Florida, and Menden, Louisiana, I got home, man, I had never been so glad to be home, I went to sleep that night in the bed my mama bought for me when I was a kid, and I felt so good about it, I woke up, around lunch the next day, <laughs> and, and I was sitting in the living room, and I was watching TV, and my stepdad, he, he was in the kitchen, because he was home for lunch, because he'd been working all morning, and, uh, <laughs> and I told him I was going to tell this story, he looks through, we had this little cutout window in the kitchen into the living room, the TV's right there beside, and he said, hey, what you doing? I was like, oh man, Megan's on her way over here, he's like, no, 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 some of y'all know, yeah, you know. He said, no, 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 I'm talking, what you going to do like this summer? And I was like, uh, I mean, I mean, Megan's on her way over here today. He goes, no, 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 I'm talking what you going to do with your life. Because you ain't going to sit at my house and eat my food under my covering and not put your hands to some kind of work, some kind of like You're going to find, and I'm like, I'm like, that's him. I just got released by the Houston Astros. Like, like two days ago, I was going to play baseball for the rest of my life. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I don't, can I not eat some blue box blues in there? I don't know what, you know what I'm talking about, Kraft macaroni and cheese, but blue box blues. Okay, that's, I'm dating myself. So he's like, nah, boy, you're not going to sit around and feel sorry for yourself at my house. You, you, you got to grow up. It's time to go. I'm 23 years old. I'm going to be married in October. I was 24, I think, by then. He's like, you ain't, you ain't just going to sit around and not do nothing. Like, that's the expectation, right? Look, I know that there are exceptions and situations that happen, and, and people have to go back home for a little while, or they have to move back in, or they have to share residence, and, and I get that. But predominantly, in our society, it is not acceptable for a 20- and 30-year-old to not grow up, right? Okay, praise God. Okay, so if, if that is the case in our society, then why does that not seem to be the case spiritually? Why does it seem, may I ask this question, why does it seem to be acceptable not to grow as a Christian? Why does it seem acceptable as a Christian to just go to somebody else's house, eat somebody else's and a believer for five years still act like they're a newborn. I might have my daughters, but that's a different standard. It's not a double standard, it's a different standard, okay? It's different. Male, female, it's different, okay? So I might have, I, why does it seem like it's okay in, in, in the house of God for somebody to be a 10-year-old and act like a pre-K or a toddler? Why does it seem like it's okay in the house of God for a teenager Somebody been saved, filled with the Spirit for 15 years, 
to lay down their salvation, why does it seem like it's okay for somebody who has believed and been in this thing for 20, 30, maybe like all they remember, and yet they come to a place where they're like, you know what, this is as far as I want to go. This is as much as I want to grow. And it seems, it seems that the church is spiritually satisfied with personal stagnation. It seems like we just want to go to somebody else's house, eat somebody else's food. And this series is all about, see, I don't, I don't think that Jesus is okay with us staying on a milk diet for our entire existence. I don't think that Jesus is okay. Let me say it this way. I don't believe my Savior is satisfied with me being satisfied just with my own salvation. See, we, we're just looking to get home, just satisfied in our own salvation, and yet the heart of God is still hurting for those who are not saved. Why does it seem to be spiritually acceptable for us to say that we believe in Jesus and live and react like people that have never heard of him? That's where we're going in this series. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Listen, please understand, I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm sharing with you in the, in the South for people that have heard the name of Jesus, and yet we're distracted by the same dreams as people in the Northeast and the Northwest that don't even believe that he exists. Something's gotta give. Why does it seem like it's acceptable for a Christian to not grow? I believe because we're not leading and we're not being led. That's my personal See, I, I was really concerned when we willingly, honorably agreed to, to close the doors of the building and go strictly online for a little over eight weeks to help uh, lower the curve and slow the spread. We, we did what we were asked to do. I can't say we're going to do it again, but we, <laughs> we, did, we, did what we, were, we did what we were asked to do. Um, and, and here's what we saw. We saw that our church was better at being pastored than we were pastoring. In other words, we leaned so heavy on this buffet that we would come to once a week, which I'm thankful for because I love, I believe it's a biblical mandate to do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. That's, that's, in, that's in scripture. And there's multiple places where that scripture is confirmed. Old Testament and new. So I agree with that. But listen, gathering together on Sunday was never meant to be the main course. Gathering together on Sunday was not supposed to be a spiritual pep rally that got you through every other day. Gathering together on Sunday, hear me has always been and should always be a celebration of all the ministry taking place by all the saints Monday through Saturday. That's what Sunday morning is supposed to, it's supposed to be a supplement. A supplement. Not the main meal and certainly not the only meal that a lot of people only eat once a month. We'll get off of that one. Write this down if you're with me today. Number one, God called me to be led. God called me to be led. Jesus' plan for conversion, like this was his plan. This is how he made disciples. He would walk up to people and he would say two words. I, I believe he called me to be led. Remember, this is my point. Jesus would say, follow me. That's, that was his plan for conversion. Just two words, follow me. Me. He's called, he has called me to be led, not lazy. See, <laughs> I'm sorry. God said this, okay? I'm just sharing. <laughs> I think. If he didn't, I'll answer for it, not you. <laughs> so, leadership 
and laziness cannot coexist. They don't go together. And, and it bothers me, not, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking prophetically into where I don't want to see us go. I'm not speaking to something that I'm afraid of or that I see happening. I mean, it happens everywhere a little bit, but predominantly, like this church, a great body of believers to be a part of. And, and our body stepped up in a great way during that facility shutdown, okay, is what that pandemic, and, and I, I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And there's a lot of things that are going to be out of my hands. I, I just believe that if, if Jesus said, follow me, then leadership and laziness can't go hand in hand. And, and it bothers me that the church, not just not this church necessarily, but the church and believers and Christians, we're known for a lot of things. But our work ethic is not really one of those things. Thought that would get a better amen. Letitia, could you come sing This Is a Move Again? I'm just kidding. Um, it, our work ethic, it's, that's not really what we're known for. Um, our servanthood is not really, like we're known for what we say, but what's not always... You're, okay, you're with me. As a general rule, I'm not saying everybody. Proverbs chapter 6, just to show you scripture for what I felt like God was showing me. Verse 6, the Bible says, take a lesson from the ants. Now, every other, I picked the New Living Translation on purpose because every other version said, oh, sluggard. And I just didn't want to say that. It sounds like I'm, I'm calling you a slug because um, <laughs> that's where we get that word from. And, but, so I chose this one because I think it's funny. You lazy bones. Like, I can just hear some country redneck say, you lazy bones. You ain't got nothing. But, you know, so I just, that's what I hear. It's like, take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones. That's <laughs> so funny. Learn, learn from their ways and become wise. See the next couple of verses, if you look, <clears throat> um, it's not in your notes here, but the next couple of verses, it, it basically says the ants don't have a ruler. They don't have a king. Like nobody's making them work the way that they work. Nobody's making them store up the way that they're storing up. Now, we store a lot of things up, but mostly it's treasures on earth and not treasures for heaven, predominantly. Like, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm fighting the same battle, okay? Like, I wake up with flesh every morning just like you do, okay? I get it. And that's why the Bible says, hey, look, look to them. Like, nobody's making them do what they're supposed to do, and yet they still do it. Verse 9 says, but you, blazy bones, <laughs> no I keeps writing that. All right, watch, how long will you sleep? Church, while the world is suffocating without a savior, how long, how long will you sleep? Watch, when, when will you wake up? When will you wake up? to what's really going on. Guys, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. Can you imagine how hard the enemy is laughing at so many so-called born-again, saved, and spirit-filled believers that we could lose our salvation over a mask, a piece of cloth, Jesus wore a piece of cloth so that we could be saved. Wearing a piece of cloth today is not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Some of y'all been wearing masks to church for the last 30 years. You may as well put another one on. I read that on Facebook. I thought it was funny. I've been waiting to say it. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Like we come here and we put our spiritual suit on. Good morning, brother. God bless you. We ain't said God bless you in the last six days. Maybe more, because we ain't been to church in the last month. Come in acting like we spiritually sound when we're starving to death. Come on, somebody. When will you wake up? Verse 10, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber. 
a little folding of the hands to rest. Oh, you poor soul, you just got released by the Astros. Come here, man. Let me, what do y'all say, ta-ta you? What is, <laughs> hey, my daddy ain't ta-ta nothing. My daddy didn't ta-ta my shoe for me. He taught me how. I don't care. Watch this, verse 11. Then poverty will pounce. I don't want poverty to pounce on the church. I don't want poverty to pounce on the house of God. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about people. See, I can go make more money. But God called me to make more disciples. Poverty will pounce on you, sleeping church. (laughs) Lazy bones. Like a bandit. Scarcity will hit the house of God like an attack by an armed robber over a virus, over some mask, over whatever else the enemy decides to stir up and spread out because people are not our enemy. Lucifer is our enemy. The governor is not your enemy. Mm. We have an enemy. And he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So Peter says to the people of God in the Roman Empire, the same thing that he's saying to the people of God in the American Republic. Watch, pray, and be alert because you were called to be led. My spiritual health is my responsibility. The spiritual health of my home is not the youth pastor's fault. I've already been there. Well, he said, I bring him to church every week and then they come home and act. They've been acting like that for years. Why is it all of a sudden my fault? You're not called to be their friend. You're called to be their parent and parents pastor. That's part of the process. Dive in. Dive in. (laughs) Because a lot of people can make a baby, but it takes a man and a woman of God to train a child. Come on. That's tough. That's where our days are headed. And whether we go and whether we grow or whether we become satisfied with less than God's best is completely up to us. My question is, in regards to our work ethic, if that's what we expect in our society and we put our hand to the plow, I know people work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and still come up here and serve their face off. My question is, if we have that much effort and that much energy and that much investment in temporary things where we store up treasures on earth that moth and rust will destroy why do we not take that same energy that same effort that same investment and apply it to storing up treasure in heaven where the enemy doesn't have access our spiritual health and the spiritual health of the people that put God puts in the sphere of our influence pastor Johnny Hunt he was here he came and preached to our students one of my best friends in the world he's like the big brother that that God didn't give me physically mentor, friend in the faith, he said to me one time, Chris, you train so hard. You discipline your body with so much energy and so much investment in regards to a game. Why do you not do that same thing to your soul in regards to living for Jesus? How do you have so much discipline here? Here in the eternal. I'll never forget. He was saying, Chris, you're called. And I'm not talking about a preacher in the pulpit. I'm talking about a person that receives salvation and begins to live it out on a daily basis. Number two, and this is where we'll land today. God created me to lead. He created me to lead. 
In Matthew chapter 25, I, I've pointed this out before, but it, it's such a familiar passage. Um, I, I believe, I believe that, I, personally, I believe that we're not just going to be judged on whether we received salvation. Hear me, hang on, okay? I'm not saying that we're, we're saved by works because we know that that's not true. But faith without works, it's, it's dead. It's lifeless. It's breathless. In fact, it's suffocating. It steers people away from God's will instead of to him. Away from God's presence instead of to him. People are detracted from God's destiny when you have faith without works. So Jesus, I believe, is addressing this in Matthew chapter 25 with the parable of the talents. Jesus said there's a story of a master and some servants. It's pretty easy to see. The illustration here, master, servants. Jesus gave talents. He's very talented, <laughs> very charismatic, very gifted. Just attracted people, just wherever he or she went. It was just very extrovert, five talents. The Bible says that the one with five talents, he invested the five talents and he multiplied it into five more. He took what God gave him and he invested it in the kingdom of God. There was another servant. He had, Jesus gave him two talents. He's maybe a little goofy looking. Still very well spoken. Okay, just saying a little off pitch, just every now and then, you know? Just needed a little pitch correction, it's just fine. Missed a note or two on occasion, wasn't quite as perfect. In that area, only had two. But he took what God gave him and he did his best with it. And then there was one more. Um, this just wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, okay? More like a, more like a spoon, okay? You can still eat with a spoon, by the way. <laughs> he, he, he was unassuming, you know, didn't have a lot of nice things, wasn't really well respected in the community, but, but he had what he had, and God gave him one talent. And the Bible says that this man with the one talent, he took the one that he had, and he went and he buried it. Okay, we're about to read what happened to the guy that buried his salvation and just waited until he got to go home. what God gave him, what the master gave him. He saved him, he set him free. He cleansed him, he filled him. Can you imagine what's gonna happen for so many people in eternity? People like me and people like you, when we stand before a perfectly holy heavenly father who isn't like parents are these days who spoil and enable people to continue to go down roads that they're not meant for. He's not like that. The only thing that meets God's love is his justice. He is just as just as he is loving. It's the only thing that counters, that meets directly with his love is his justice. He is love and he is just. Can you imagine, if this guy buried what God gave him, just received salvation and then set his focus on going home and going to heaven. Can you imagine what God is going to do? How he's going to respond to all that he's given us and all we did was spend it on ourselves? All the resource, all the ability, all the energy, all the finance, all, all you preachers are just money hungry. No, we're kingdom hungry. Can you imagine if what I'm about to read is how Jesus felt about a guy that just buried his salvation and hoped for home? How God is going to respond to the American church that had so much and yet did so little? Could you imagine how many people Paul and Peter, how many people Martha and Mary would have reached with the resource of this generation? 
Jesus would have already come back because the whole world would already know. But right now, the whole world is just building their own kingdom. We've forgotten that we're called to be led, but we're created to lead. He says in Matthew 26, the master replies, you wicked and lazy. See, all of a sudden, lazy bones it. I mean, it's a little bit more convicting when Jesus said it. See, before we just thought the psalmist said it, but now we see that it's coming out of the mouth of the Savior. Take everything that I gave you and bury it in the backyard because you're just trying to get home. Look at me, Lord. I got what you gave me. I received salvation and I stayed saved. I went to church almost every month. I, I gave too sometimes. You know, I mean, because we had to pay our stuff. But I gave when I could, Jesus. He go. I got it. I mean, I went to a small group one time, but they said something mean to me, so I went back home. And then I still went to church, though. I even went to the same services. Okay, I didn't go to the same service. I figured out which service they were going to. I went to another service. But I still there, Jesus. I was there. Here you go. Here's my salvation that you gave me. I'm giving it back. I made a lot of money. Didn't make very many disciples, but I'm sure you'll forgive me of that. Here you go. That's what he's doing right here. I never led a small group. I never opened my house. How do I open my house for a small group? I'm going to have to clean. I have to hide my stuff in a closet. Pastors always want me. What are we paying you for, preacher, if I got to do stuff? Now, that was funny till somebody said it to me. And then I realized I hadn't done my job. Equipping people to pastor themselves and their home. And I don't want to be held accountable for what I don't give you the opportunity to do. I don't want you to hear this. I don't want you to hear, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops, I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Why didn't you deposit my money in somebody? Why didn't you serve one Sunday? And why didn't you serve one small group? Open your house one semester. Why did you just watch other people do ministry that whole time? Did I not do enough for you is what the master is saying. At least I could have gotten some interest on that one-on-one -on -one discipleship investment. But see, we live in America, and if it's not big, and it's not glorious, and we can't bow our knee in the end zone and point to heaven about how good we are, then we don't want to. We don't want to go somewhere and make it great. We just want to go be a part of great things. And God says, that's not what I died for. It's certainly not what I was resurrected for. Verse 28, then he ordered, take the money from the servant. Give it to the one that has 10 bags of silver. Verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing even what little they have will be taken away why was it so easy for the enemy to empty the church we didn't really have a church bunch of people I'm not talking about this church I'm talking about the church a lot of people a lot of words but God created you. He created you to lead. I got to show you quickly. Come on, we're landing. Hang in there. You've been so gracious. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going right to it. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, he said, let us make man in our image. The same image of God that I was created with is the same image of God that you were created with. The only difference between you and me is it's going to be harder for you to live this thing out than it is for me because this is what I do for a living. Like it's going to take more from you. That's why I sold all my stuff and went into ministry. 
Jesus knew I'd get lost if I stayed in the world. He just knew. Like, I'm going to have to put this brother in an institution, keep him safe. I'm telling you, he ain't going to lean on me unless I make him. What will God use to make you lean on him? God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. I'm telling you, God put me in ministry to keep me saved. Because <laughs> he knew that I was too evil to be anywhere else. He knew what I would do if I did anything else. Verse continues, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, he's saying, we don't let the things in this world dominate us when we understand that the creator of this world gave us dominion. A little bit further, verse 28, here's what he says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I don't believe that God didn't prophetically see into the 21st century and understand that there would be 7 billion people in the world. And yet the church would have so little influence. I don't believe that this is talking about procreation. I believe that this is talking about eternity. I believe that God was saying, be fruitful and multiply on the earth for the sake of eternity. Don't be settled or satisfied with not seeing lost people saved, broken people healed, hurt people freed in the name of Jesus. Don't come to a place where you walk a blessing but you don't hand it to somebody else be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it that word is kabosh it means to bring into bondage kabosh that thing understand that your enemy is like a lion that prowls around trying to devour people are not your enemy the lucifer is the enemy but you have the authority to have kabosh over that enemy and bring that enemy into bondage the verse continues have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth that means radah have dominion rule reign in other words come on you don't just break it down and bind it you build it up into something new you cast the devil out and now you have an empty vessel ready to be filled you have a disciple because leadership is in your dna grafted into the fiber of your being you were called to be led by Jesus, but you were created to lead yourself, your friends, and your community so that every lost, hurting, broken, confused, whomever, wherever, could look to you and see Jesus. Follow me. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Father, thank you for the patience of your people today. Thank you for the grace. Come on, church, I want to invite you right now to take inventory. Father, have we taken for granted the resource that you've given us? Has our focus been misplaced? Are we investing in a whole lot of temporary things and very little for eternity? Are we taking what you're giving us, no matter how big or how small, and being faithful to you? Like the servant with five talents and the servant with two talents. God, are we using what you've given us to build your kingdom or our own? May we take inventory. Let us examine. Are we doing this? to glorify ourselves and serve ourselves or to glorify you, serve you. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to go. And God, don't let this church, don't let me be satisfied with only eating from somebody else's table.
in somebody else's house. But let this be a supplement, a celebration of who you are. We're created to lead, but in order to do that, we've gotta be redeemed. If you're in the house this morning, you're watching online, live or later, if you need Jesus, Lord of your life today, if you need to receive salvation, you need to surrender your life to him for the first time or the first time in a long time, I can promise you he is waiting right now. He's here, he's ready. You don't have to give an account yet, but you do have to ask for forgiveness. If you wanna leave this place, if you wanna leave this moment confident of who you are in Jesus, you need to commit or recommit your life to him, I wanna invite you right where you are to open up your hands, to posture yourself in a position to receive because God has already given the gift of his son. Jesus showed his love and the fact that he was willing to lay down his life. And he did that for me and for you. But we have to receive. If that's you, I want you to prepare your heart to pray out loud. Church, I wanna ask you in support of those who need to make this declaration to pray with us and say this prayer of confession together. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I got distracted for burying things that you wanted to resurrect. I believe you gave your life so that I could live. So take my life and make it yours. You paid for my sin on the cross, but you paid for my life out of the grave. Thank you. Forgive me, cleanse me, save me. I surrender. May I follow you with all of my heart. May I be led and may I lead in Jesus' name. Amen.